It Was Always You by M. L. Traffray Read by Literarian Chapter 3 And I Ache to Remember 2019 For the first time in nearly two weeks, Ezra felt light. He and Adam had arrived home, he gave his nephew lunch and sent him for a nap, and then found himself sitting on the sofa, staring off into space. Never, not even a little, had he ever expected to be reunited with Anthony Crowley. And if he was completely honest with himself, he never once imagined it could have been like that. Easy as breathing. Like coming into a warm home after being out in a terrible rainstorm. As it felt to slip on a well-loved pair of shoes. They fit. It was warm and comfortable and absolutely right. His heart gave a shudder, trying its very hardest not to immediately return to the state it was in before their ill-fated disagreement. He went over their conversation in the park in his head twice, remembering the smiles and laughs, the disbelief and surprises. Some topics didn't lend themselves to conversation. They never spoke about anyone outside of themselves and the boys, but that was okay, too. There was something wonderful in the prospect of getting to know one another so well again, of letting the secrets slip by, one by one, ready to share when the level of intimacy between them returned to where it once was. Well... Maybe not quite that far. Still, it was a bit like falling in love all over again. Not like Anthony ever knew Ezra had loved him. Without thinking about the action, Ezra rose and went to the bookshelf, pulling from it one of the few contemporary novels he'd ever owned. Eliza had kept it there, seeing as how his small flat hadn't had the room for all his books, and her own collection was sorely lacking. He'd ran his hand over the cover, recalling the explanation that went with it when he was being gifted the book. It's taking the tragedy and turning it into a comedy, okay, Anthony had said. So the author defiled Shakespeare. No, the author improved Shakespeare. We need to laugh more. You'll like it, Angel, promise. Ezra had loved it and giggled most of the way through, despite the very bawdy language and some additions to the original story structure. He had still pulled it off the shelf to read it from time to time, thinking of Antony and allowing his battered heart to ache. He even went so far as purchasing the sequel five years back, wondering if Anthony had known about it. Ezra opened the book, thumbing through the pages until he found what he was really looking for. A photograph. It had been too hard to keep it where it was easily viewed, but it was also something Ezra could never truly part with. 
When he'd moved out of Eliza's flat a year and a half ago, he thought leaving the books and the picture behind would help him let go in some way. It hadn't, but it didn't really matter. Now he looked at the image in his fingers of he and Anthony when they were teenagers shortly before graduating. He couldn't remember who'd taken it, probably Eliza, though it may have been someone else they were friends with. They were at the school, must have been, because they were in their uniforms. Ezra all buttoned up, shirt sleeves rolled down, hem of the white dress shirt tucked into his dark, blue-green trousers. His black cardigan was neat, his tie properly done and tucked beneath the sweater. He was looking at Anthony, laughing at something the other had said. Anthony was looking at him, his then short hair styled just so, all carefree and barely within school regulations. Unlike his uniform, as Anthony had his shirt untucked and his sleeves rolled up. His tie was loose, hanging from his neck as the collar was popped. The cardigan was tucked against his side, nestled there by his arm as he had both hands in his pockets. Ezra had been holding books, of course, and if he looked closely enough, he could see the white knuckle grip he had on them. He'd been utterly and completely gone of Anthony, even if the other boy had never shown him any signs of reciprocation. And Ezra had been very, very careful not to let on how he felt. Not that he thought that Anthony would have judged him back then. He wouldn't have. There had already been an incident that made it clear that it would merely be the pot calling the kettle black. But Ezra hadn't wanted to somehow drive off his one best friend aside from his sister. He wondered, looking at the picture, how he had ever thought he had hidden his crush on Anthony well. It was painfully obvious how deep his feelings went, and sometimes when he was feeling wistful, he thought maybe there had been something in Anthony's gaze too. The knock on the front door had him startling badly, causing him to fumble the book in his hands. He slammed it shut and shelved it a bit too roughly, as if he'd been caught doing something he really shouldn't be. Pressing his hands to his cheeks for a moment, he shouted, Coming! as he made his way to answer the door. His brows shot toward his hairline when he saw who was on the other side as he opened it. Gabriel! he greeted the smiling face on the threshold unexpected. Hey, sunshine, he replied. How ya doin? Ezra's brain, being full of one particular person and still lingering somewhere on memory lane, couldn't help but remember the first time he'd seen Gabriel. He's pretty, Ezra commented, tilting his head to the side. He's an idiot, Anthony had said, arms crossed over his chest, lip curling in distaste. Ezra couldn't tell if it was because of the very American accent or the fact that Gabriel had been wearing a shirt from his very American high school around the very English university campus. 
He's a pretty idiot, Ezra conceded. He reminds me a bit of that character. Oh, what was his name? The one from the movie. Kronk! Anthony had scoffed and rolled his eyes at him. Ezra had hoped, maybe a bit, that Anthony was a little jealous. It was more likely that he just didn't like Gabriel, but younger Ezra would always wonder if maybe there was a certain reason for the immediate distaste. I've been doing better, Ezra replied to Gabriel with a grin. What brings you by? Gabriel held out a white paperback. Sushi, he declared, his smile expanding somehow as he held up the bag. Ezra frowned. You hate sushi. But you don't, Gabriel replied and made to step in. And Ezra obliged, if only because the man did bring him one of his favorite treats. Gabriel towed off his shoes and ventured into the kitchen area while Ezra closed and locked the door. Where's Adam? Gabriel asked as Ezra joined him. As Gabriel began to unpack the takeaway at the small, three-person table in the kitchen, Ezra replied, He's napping right now. We spent a very long time at the park this morning. He was a bit worn out. Gabriel placed the container of sushi where Ezra went to sit, removing a salad for himself before moving to the counter and setting the bag aside. There was a thunk of something, and Ezra frowned curiously at the paper bag for a moment, wondering what else Gabriel had brought. So, Gabriel said as they sat down, you two got out this morning, that's good. Yes. Ezra agreed as the two of them began to prepare their lunches. I thought perhaps it was time to return to some form of normalcy, what with life going back to, well, as normal as it can be come Monday. Ezra paused as he opened the container, breathing in the wonderful aroma. And despite his having a nap now, it may mean he'll sleep better tonight. Gabriel peered up at him while still having his head bowed over his salad container. You haven't been seeing much of the pillow yourself, have you? That obvious, is it? Ezra asked as he rubbed the takeout chopsticks against one another, cringing. Anthony hadn't said anything, but then insomnia had been Ezra's friend as long as they'd known one another. If Anthony remembered, he probably thought it best not to mention anything. It is a bit, Gabriel said as he stabbed some leaves. Why don't you get that woman there to watch Adam for a bit? Get a nab in or something. If I'm going to get Marjorie to watch Adam, it is so I can go to war with my landlord over letting me out of my lease. Gabriel's head shot up. Out of your... You're moving? Ezra blinked. Yes, he said, as though it was obvious. Because, really, Gabriel had to have known. I don't exactly have the space for a second person in my flats. Ideally, I would find a new place altogether, but that would be insanely difficult given everything. 
Marjorie was happy to allow me to take over Eliza's lease, keep Adam where he's used to being and where she can still lend a hand to help. Honestly, that woman is a godsend. You're... you're going to be moving in here, Gabriel asked, gesturing around. Back here is more accurate. Ezra retorted as he dipped a piece of his roll in the soy sauce, slowly bringing it to his mouth and intending to savour it. You know there are some great family flats around my place, Gabriel said earnestly before taking a bite of salad. Ezra chewed a bit faster than he would have liked to, but still didn't manage to finish before Gabriel added, Still near that school he's meant to go to, right? And closer to your school. I could help. Bring the little guy in once in a while. Gabriel, I can't afford a flat anywhere near where you live. Ezra reminded him, a discussion that's been in place in some form or another since Ezra decided to move out on his own. I wasn't able to afford a simple one room in that area. I'd never be able to get one large enough to house Adam as well. You haven't looked recently, Gabriel countered with a grin, and Ezra refrained from rolling his eyes. There have been some places around my block, not on it, but around it, that have sold for a reasonable price. Ezra hummed. Yes, a house, on a teacher's salary. As a new single parent. Aren't there allowances for that sort of thing? Gabriel frowned. Not nearly as much as you might think, Ezra countered. And what's more, I wouldn't see a pound of that until the paperwork for Adam's custody has been put through. It's only because of Eliza's will that Adam is still with me now and there isn't a battle for him while he's in a foster home. And he would have fought tooth and nail to have custody of his nephew. He was sure, deep down, that any agency that would have taken on his case would have allowed Ezra to keep Adam with him. But there was still a chance, however small, that someone might have thought him an unfit guardian. Gabriel continued to frown for a moment before shrugging and shaking his head. I was just trying to point out that there were other options, he said kindly. I appreciate your attempts to help, Ezra said, reaching across the table and putting a hand over Gabriel's without thinking through the gesture. He realized Instantly, what a terrible idea that had been, the second Gabriel's wide, near-violet eyes fell on his with such pure hope. Hope that, in all fairness, Ezra may have instilled in him a few years back. Hope that he hadn't been careful enough not to instill. Patting Gabriel's hand awkwardly, Ezra withdrew his own, finding himself losing his appetite. Ez, is there anything I can do? Anything I can help with? Gabriel asked after a moment. Packin? Either at your place or... or here? No, thank you, he replied, setting his chopsticks down. 
Marjorie was a dear and helped me pack up Eliza's things just before the funeral. As for my own, I should probably hold off until Mr. Sandalphon lets me off the hook for the last few months. If I move all of my things out beforehand, he may rent it out to someone else before I'm released. Gabriel snorted, never an elegant sound, and he shook his head. I could help, you know. He's an acquaintance of mine. We're on good terms. That's very kind of you. I'll keep it in mind if he causes me any sort of trouble. He smiled, and Gabriel seemed placated by that. There was a lull between them, one that allowed Ezra's appetite to return. The conversation didn't pick up again until both men were nearly done. So, you're returning to work Monday? Gabriel asked. Yes, Ezra replied. I was, well, I won't say fortunate enough that the accident happened when it had. But I wasn't even close to ready to go back after a week, and having the break immediately after was beneficial. Good. I think getting back to work will be good for you. For both of you. Adam, too. Adam is resilient, Ezra said, looking toward the short hallway where the bedrooms were. Softly, he continued... I think having the innocence of youth has helped him. He knows his mum is gone, and I believe he has an understanding of why. That she didn't abandon him, and that she loved him, and she really thought she would be coming home to him. He was sad, and he still is when he thinks on it. But he's bounced back, and he's done so quite quickly. He's had you. Gabriel said in an affectionate way, but Ezra only managed a small smile. Maybe I can come by later in the week. We can have dinner, the three of us. Not just yet, Gabriel, Ezra let him down. Adam may be ready, but to be frank, I'm not. I would like a week or two back at work to adjust or readjust to life with a child around and this time as the only one to do the work. Bad times can be a nightmare on their own without any additional excitement. Gabriel nodded and then gave a grin. Well, when you're ready, I'll be there. You just need to call. I will, Ezra agreed. The door creaked down the hall and Adam shuffled down toward them, rubbing his eyes and clutching his blanket. How was your nap? Ezra asked, realizing that it probably hadn't even been an hour. Good, he mumbled, sliding up to Ezra and leaning against his side. He peeked over at Gabriel and then hit his face partly against his uncle. Hi, he said quietly. Hi, buddy, Gabriel replied, the only person Ezra knew of that called him that. Got a treat, if it's okay with your uncle. Adam perked up. Treat? Gabriel flashed a wink at Ezra before he got up, heading for the bag he placed on the counter. Something like affection mixed heavy with guilt in Ezra's gut as he watched Gabriel retrieve whatever he'd gotten for Adam. 
something out of his way and certainly not at the sushi restaurant. When Gabriel turned around and presented Adam with a biscuit, Ezra grinned just a bit. Adam shuffled over, taking what appeared to be an oatmeal biscuit with a tiny grin. Thank you, Mr. Haven, Adam said, putting the biscuit in his mouth and immediately retreating to the living room. Ezra sighed and shook his head, glad that Gabriel at least laughed off Adam's bit of rudeness. He's a great kid, he said, and Ezra hummed in agreement. So, he clapped his hands together once. I probably should be heading out. Well, Ezra said as he stood up. If you feel you must. Gabriel seemed to war with himself a moment before sighing and nodding. Yeah, I should. Um, I'll call you later next week. See how you're doing, if you need anything. Maybe the three of us can do something on the weekend. Sounds lovely, Ezra said, though maybe not meaning it completely. He followed his longtime friend to the door, opening it for him and standing on the doorstep as Gabriel stepped out. Once over the threshold, he turned and put a heavy hand on Ezra's shoulder, giving it a squeeze before running his thumb over it. Later, Ezra. Mind how you go, he said, stepping back and out of Gabriel's reach. With a nod, the man turned and left, briskly heading down the stairs and around the corner to where he likely parked his car. Ezra watched him for a moment before turning back in and closing up. If one had asked Crowley a week ago how he imagined his first Sunday in the new house would go, he would have said hellish. He could have only pictured a tantrum-fueled warlock displeased with life in a new house, the prospect of a new nursery the following day, and Crowley trying to settle in among the screams and stomping. He'd imagined it would have rained in heavy sheets, and everything would simply suck. It was raining, but instead of everything being horrible, it actually wasn't bad as far as unpacking went. Warlock was in a great mood, having found his box of toys upon returning from the park the day before and was happily playing with those. He was also thrilled beyond reason that he and his new friend would be going to the same nursery, happily telling Crowley all the games they were going to play together. The stereo was set up and playing and Crowley had unearthed the coffee maker and some mugs. He had also remembered to make a stop to the shops the night before, and so life was going pretty good as far as he was concerned. The doorbell rang as Crowley was up on a ladder, placing a framed picture that was just a touch too heavy for him to move quickly. He couldn't imagine who it would have been, but he knew exactly who he wished it was, however impossible. He never told Ezra where he lived, just the general direction from where they were in the park. 
I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. Warlock screamed, running to the front door from upstairs faster than any small child had the right to. Crowley would have to remind him later that he wasn't supposed to do that, but now... Look, don't you dare open the... He heard the door open before he could finish the sentence, and he cursed under his breath. Nothing more, Warlock exclaimed, and a little bit of relief came over him. Hey, you. Her sweet, warm voice greeted Warlock as Crowley finished with the frame and climbed carefully down the ladder. I could have been a stranger, though. You shouldn't answer the door. He could hear her chide, sad door closing behind her. Eh, you, she called, and this time Crowley knew it was aimed at him. Hey, yourself, what are you doing out this way? He asked as he brushed his hands together and turned to face her. Anathema was one of his closest friends and probably one of the few people he'd met in his life that he could relate to. She came from money as well, though her parents weren't awful about it. She moved to Tatfield a few years back to be near her aging great-grandmother before she passed and decided she liked it enough to stay. When she interviewed with Crowley at the garden, she confessed it was more for fun and because she really liked being around green things. What was supposed to be a 15-minute, and thankfully last, Interview for him had become the two of them chatting for a couple hours in his office, then heading out for drinks after. It was the first time in a while that Crowley had been out with someone where it hadn't led to them attempting to get in his pants. Or he and theirs, if he was honest. Anathema was like the sister he didn't have, the Liza to his... Well, he hired her at any rate. Normally she'd be in long, flowing skirts, having a very witch-like aesthetic, the perfect match for her personality. But today Anathema opted for a pair of denim overalls, the shirt beneath still loose and high-necked. Well, I thought I would come by and help, she said, gesturing to the many still-packed boxes. Two sets of hands are better than one and all. Crowley arched a brow at her, waiting for the real reason she'd come by. When she merely stayed still, almost in a challenging stance, he looked down at Warlock. Tell Auntie Anathema all about your new friend, Locke. He grinned, and Warlock's eyes lit up. There was a slight flash of terror in Anathema's eyes that she schooled into interest as the little boy let loose. While Warlock occupied Anathema, Crowley moved into the kitchen area of the open concept space. It was one of those things that he liked about the house. He liked not feeling boxed in. Everything in his own home growing up was constrained. The living room was an entirely separate space from the dining room and that from the kitchen. Here they were all one room, and while there were still rooms upstairs, at least he didn't send Warlock off to his own bloody wing. Not that the townhouse was big enough to have separate wings, but that was beside the point. 
He poured Anathema a cup of coffee, pleased with himself that he had actually managed most of the kitchen by himself the night before and now had it in a pretty respectable state. Yes, the dining table still had a few things scattered about and breakfast might have been had on the floor in front of the sofa that morning, but all in all, he was doing okay. Look, he said when he felt Anathema had been somewhat tortured enough. Why don't you head up and play, all right? Remember, we live here now. We can see Auntie Anathema a lot more than we used to. Okay, the little boy said, tearing back toward the stairs. Don't rush on the bloody stairs! Crowley yelled after him, but he doubted he was hurt. Anathema joined him at the kitchen table, eyes wide, and Crowley couldn't help but chuckle. He seems to really like this kid, she said as she took the offered cup. Well, he should. They were together for three hours yesterday. Only reason we backed off was because everyone was getting a bit nibbly, he replied, taking a sip of his coffee. Anathema frowned, tilting her head slightly. Yes, I know. I actually got hungry for once. Big day. Now, why are you here? I know it's not really to help. I'm really here to help, she said levelly. And also, she pursed her lips, to gossip. What we gossiping about? Nothing, just, I might have slept with Newt. Again. She said this last part so quietly, Crowley almost didn't hear her over the music. He removed his phone from his pocket and turned the sound down a bit, hoping Warlock would remain firmly in his room. You slept with Newt. Again. I thought you didn't know what was going on there. I still don't know what was going on there, she retorted. But, you know, we were out. We had a few drinks. One thing led to another. As opposed to you were at the funeral, you were hurt, one thing led to another, and... A sudden thought came to Crowley that made his insides do funny things. Wait, funeral for a friend, right? he asked. When Anathema nodded, a little confused, he swallowed. This friend wouldn't have been named Eliza, would she? Anathema blinked. Yes, I thought I told you that, though. Asked if we could send the flowers over. I don't think her brother would have thought about that. Holy shit, he said quietly to himself. He'd done Liza's flowers without realizing it. Crowley rubbed at his chest over his heart, trying to dull the ache. What if he'd actually been the one to make the delivery? He did it often, but with the apartment needing to be cleared out by the end of the week and needing to deal with the last bit of paperwork, he had skipped that one. But now? Now he could imagine walking into the funeral home and maybe Ezra would be there holding Adam's hand. Or even just by himself for a moment. Crowley doubted a reunion then would have gone as well as it had the day before, but he still imagined Ezra half falling into his arms, clinging to him in his grief. 
he'd have stayed for the service, at least he thought he would. Maybe, if it had been a best-case scenario type of thing. AJ? Anathema said his nickname with concern, and he snapped out of his musings. You were right. Yeah, he said, taking another sip. It just... it turns out that I knew her. Oh, Anathema said softly. Well, that makes sense. She was a customer and all. No, I mean, I knew her from when we were younger, he explained. Ah, Anathema nodded. Had a bit of a crush on her? She asked like she knew already. Crowley didn't mean to laugh, but it came out in a bark anyway. <laughs> No, no, I definitely didn't have a crush on Liza. Well, I wouldn't have been surprised if you did. She was beautiful, Anathema said as she took a drink. Yeah, Crowley commented offhandedly. So, Newt, again. Yes, again. I don't know what to do. And you're asking me? God, no, not with your track record. Thanks. No problem. She grinned, cradling her cup near her chest. It just is nice and sweet, and I could do with nice and sweet, but we also don't have a lot in common, you know? He sneezes like mad if he's outdoors for any length of time, in any season but winter, which means the shop is just his own personal hell, while I adore it. He loves to fiddle with technology, even though he's absolutely terrible at it. The man breaks a computer a month, I swear. It's in the shop more than it's out. And he's so quiet, and so shy, and when we're out together, he usually just stares at me for a bit and needs at least a drink to start talking. Which reminds me, he's a total lightweight. Hmm... Crowley hummed, setting down his now empty mug. But you think he's cute? He's so cute, she agreed readily. Well, take it from me, Anathema. Don't let him slip away. You could mess about if you want, but if you really like him, you should just go for it. Never know what might happen otherwise. He didn't need to be looking at her to know Anathema was currently dissecting him in a way that only she could. Whether it be her claiming to read auras, or merely an ability to break someone down to the bare bones in moments, Crowley didn't know. All he knew was right now she was trying to solve him, and if he didn't change the subject soon, she might piece it together. How was the shop? We have a couple weddings coming up, she replied without missing a beat, but her narrowed gaze was still on him. One couple wants to see you themselves, a bit of a disagreement over colours, but also not knowing what was best. Hmm, he nodded. Anything come in from the London shop? Three quotes, she replied. You know, Locke was telling me about his friend from the park. That his dad was with him, and the two of you seemed to get on just fine. Is that what he said? Crowley asked as he shifted to the living room, deciding now was a good time to finish unpacking his vinyls. Mm-hmm. Wanna tell me about that? 
she asked, following close behind. At least she knelt down in front of the box of movies. Be helpful during the interrogation. Not much to tell. Crowley lied smoothly, all the while thinking of Ezra's smile, of his bright blue eyes, how there was only a slight hint of lines near them both. Had his hair gotten more white in the last decade? It had always been pale, almost cloud-like when the curls were just right. Aha! Uh -huh. Your music selection is too angsty for there to be not much to tell. Also, you're blushing. I am not, he said definitively. So you weren't using your son to play wingman? No, he glowered. Warlock was already at the park when Adam showed up. Happened to... He stopped. I didn't use my son as a wingman. I wouldn't have needed to anyway. So you and this other guy just happened to hit it off. Love at first sight or just lust? Neither he said as he remembered seeing Ezra fell for the first time. Remember that taken-aback look that crossed the blond boy's face, similar to how everyone reacts the first time to seeing his eyes. He remembered sizing up the boy, wondering if this stranger would begin to pester him. But Ezra smiled shyly before bowing his head and focusing on his book. Just knew I wouldn't need a wingman to start chatting with him. Just a good excuse. Which was? Anathema asked. Crowley inhaled sharply through his nose. How was beer? When you called London, because I assume you did. Anathema narrowed her eyes. Why are you avoiding talking about this guy? Because there's nothing to say, he said a bit too quickly. No, there's just a lot you're not saying, Anathema said as she shelved the last of the movies. She picked up the box, began to set it aside, then looked at him expectantly. What do you want me to say? he asked. Would it please you to know I got his number? Maybe, she said with a coy grin. Yeah, well, it helps to have another parent whose kid is going to the same nursery as yours. He countered, quite pleased with himself, when Anathema growled in frustration. She grumbled as she got up and pulled a second box over, tearing the tape off and revealing a mix of movies, CDs and a few video games. Crowley took out another handful of vinyls. You know, now that you live here, I have a single friend I can introduce you to, Anathema started to say. I'm not interested, Crowley said, and really meant it. Oh, but you would love him. Not really the type you usually go for, but he's sweet and really kind and just, oh, shit, she said suddenly, dropping the movies in her hand. What? Anthony asked. Spider got in there or something? No, Anathema replied, eyes wide. You know him? I do, Crowley asked. Well, you said you knew Eliza when she was younger, so you'd have had to have known... Ezra, yeah. He said, cursing himself for turning red. Yeah, I know him. That's, uh, that's who I ran into at the... Oh my god! <laughs> 
Anathema laughed. <laughs> you had a crush on Ezra when you were younger. That's what you meant. And we aren't discussing this, he said with a tone of finality that she promptly ignored. So what happened? Did you pine from a distance? Had you parted ways after graduation, never to speak again until today? No, nothing like that, he said morosely, and Anathema promptly stopped her teasing. Did... Do you make a move and he didn't... There was... There was never an anything, really. We were... He was... I just blew it, all right? I said things I didn't mean, waited too long to apologize, and that was that. Until today. Bloody glad he carried on like nothing happened, because I don't think I could have taken it if he was indifferent or cold. Anathema seemed to be taking the time to absorb this new information, and while she did, Crowley finished shelving the vinyls. You should know, she said quietly. There's this guy who's quite taken with him. I don't think it goes both ways, least not to the same extent. Ezra said he wasn't seeing anyone. He turned to her, meeting her eye. And he's not. They're not dating. But I do know that there's a guy who's been chasing his tail for as long as I've known him, maybe longer. And I think he may just be starting to wear down. So? Crowley challenged. I can tell you like him. Maybe more than just like him. And it sounds like you were probably close to becoming a thing when you were younger. Crowley huffed, looking away for a moment to hide the worst of his blush. You got a point, device? My point is that this seems to be your second chance. Don't waste it. Because I don't know about before, but you're not the only interested party this time. Not sure I was ever the only interested party, he said. But thank you. I'll take it under advisement. Well, that's a first, Anathema quipped. Crowley was about to deliver a scathing retort before Warlock shouted, Dad, I'm hungry. He nodded despite his son not seeing him, then got to his feet, heading to the kitchen as Warlock calmly came down the stairs. He and Anathema wouldn't talk about Ezra for the rest of the afternoon, but her advice was never very far from his mind.